Brother Hanley, the stage is yours. Feel free to preach whatever the Lord has put in your heart. Praise the Lord, everybody. Whew. I feel like I've been in the presence of the Lord. I feel like I've been to church. He's here. He's here. I don't know what you came needing. I don't know what you came expecting. But I believe that the presence of Jesus Christ is in this room right now. I believe with all of my heart that we are at a critical point in time. I believe that we are in a place where we don't need just regular church. We need a move of God. We need a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to invite you to stand with me tonight. Pastor... Timothy Lee has honored everyone already. <laughs> I will not, I'll just copy and paste uh, what, what Pastor Lee has said. But I do want to say thank you to the Lees for your leadership, for allowing this to happen. We honor you. We love you very, very much. They are great leaders. The Cargandos, uh, the team from Tab Joy and Joy Fellowship, the show strands. Uh, the Serranos from the Philippines, the Pastor Ajibu. I, I'm not going to name everybody. I said I wasn't, so forgive me. I do bring you greetings from Brother Bruce Howell, who is still the General Director of Global Missions. Hallelujah. He sends greetings to all of you, and uh, he is currently in the nation of Spain. Spain is in the continent of Europe. Europe is a postmodern society. 667 people have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the last 48 hours on the continent of, in the country of Spain. Just a couple weeks ago, 2,700 people in one day were filled with the Holy Ghost on the island of Madagascar. Just a few weeks before that in Brazil and just yesterday in El Salvador, several have received the Holy Ghost. We were with Pastor Cesar in Dubai just a few weeks ago in, a, in that country, 31 were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the United Arab Emirates. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I speak that over Malaysia right now in the name of Jesus. I declare it over Singapore in the name of Jesus. I speak it over Australia. I speak it over the Pacific region. He is pouring out His Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I am so very honored to be here among you. I'm so thankful that Maya is here with me. And I love her very much. We just celebrated our wedding anniversary yesterday. 18 years. Amen. We, we survived for 18 years. We have flourished. We have flourished, yay, I say. Thank you, Lord. I believe with all of my heart that the trajectory and plans of people in this room are going to be changed over the next few days. I believe that as we interact with the presence of the Lord, He's going to speak to us. I believe the words He speaks through this pulpit will be important, but I believe what His Spirit does 
in ways that cannot be quantified and cannot be recorded are going to shift destinies. It's going to change how we live our lives. And I believe I, I have a word for this group tonight. I feel somewhat like John the Baptist. There are those coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to, to loose. I, I say that in jest. We love you all. We respect you so very much. But I feel a little bit like that because I believe that the Lord has me here tonight specifically to just prepare the way for what is going to happen the rest of the time. And so I say that and I ask you to just pray with me right now that God's Spirit would have free reign in this room, that our human agenda would be laid aside and the agenda of heaven would be embraced. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you right now to do what only you can do. I give you honor, I give you praise, I give you glory. I thank you that you are already at work in this place and I ask you to continue the work that you have begun. I pray, Lord, in the Spirit, Lord, there would almost be like a bulldozer that would come and move the earth in this room. I pray that we would have a movement of your Spirit that would clear the way for what you want to what you want us to hear and what you want to do. I pray that you would give us your eyes. I pray you would give us your ears. I pray you would give us your heart. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I ask you to give us freedom in the Holy Ghost. Lord, utterance to speak what you would say. We lay aside every agenda and we cry out to you, O oh God, asking you to speak in this place tonight and over the next few days we praise you for it we thank you for it and we give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus why don't you clap your hands to the Lord one more time hallelujah 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 blessing and honor glory and power be to the name of Jesus Hallelujah. Before you're seated, I do recognize we are in Malaysia. And to our brothers and sisters ministering here, leading the church here, uh, it's so good to see all of you. I give honor uh, to our superintendent, even though he is not here with us. We honor him. We thank God for what's happening here in this beautiful country. And uh, with that, I say God bless you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I, I have two clocks here with me tonight, but you know, we sang for a long time, so I don't really know that I need to look at my clock tonight. I got like two amens on that, so I should be careful. I was just testing to see where you were. You did not respond. You did not pass the test on that one. And so, so just uh, hallelujah. I, well, that's the amen that matters right there. Hallelujah. Tucked away in Paul's masterpiece letter to the church at Rome, there are two sentences that form two verses in the English Bible. You have read them. You no doubt have heard messages preached from them. And most of you could probably quote them. And it's these two verses that I want to use as a launching pad for what I feel God would speak to us tonight. It's in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. I'll quote it. 
Well, they already have it up, and you got the NKJV. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Everybody say reasonable. reasonable. Your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. I want to talk to you for a little bit tonight about the concept of our reasonable service. I'm in hopes that most of you will agree with me with what I'm about to say. That is, in the interest of honesty and accuracy and looking to the Word of God, we must understand context. I've taught a lot of Bible school classes, and my favorite word in teaching the Bible is context. It matters. You can make the Bible say anything you want if you take scriptures out of context, and people have, believe me. So what is the lead up, Pastor Timothy, to Romans chapter 12? I began to look and studied feverishly all over the Word of God and finally came to a revelatory understanding that the context and the lead up of Romans chapter 12, you better get ready for this. I'm about to drop a truth bomb here at DCD. Are you ready? The lead up and context of Romans chapter 12 is Romans chapter 11. Feel free to use that, pastors and preachers. You can take that. That's for free. The overview of Romans 11 is that Paul begins talking about the history of God's dealings with His chosen people. Then in verse 11, he shifts gears and goes to the opening of the door to the Gentiles. That's you and me. And then he makes some powerful statements along the way. Verse 18, he rebukes any Gentile who would feel superior to the Jew. In verse 22, he says, and this is amazing, Behold the goodness... And severity of God. He says, if God cut off natural branches because of their unbelief, watch yourself, you grafted Gentiles, because he just might do the same to you. Follows this instruction on the place of both the Jew and the Gentile in God's plan. And then he concludes chapter 11 with a final statement in verse 36, and this is what Romans eleven thirty-six that immediately precedes Romans 12 and 1. This is what it says. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Verse 36 is a clear statement with an air of finality and a definitive edge that cuts through every other agenda of man and of hell. It cuts through the messy mix of human self-centeredness. It cuts through your ideas and my ideas, your plans and my plans. And it brings us through the errors of confusion and brings us to a place of understanding. 
That everything that is in this world, everything purposed by God from the beginning of time and before the beginning of time, they are not centered around man, neither are they centered around our place in the universe, but they are centered around the epicenter of his presence, his power, his glory, his honor. For of him, from him, and through him are all things. If you're looking for a guiding principle in your life, let me just tell you Romans 11:36 is a pretty amazing one. For of him, through him, and to him are all things. Can you imagine what the world would look like if we began to live our lives with the understanding that everything we do is about him? Everything we say is about him. Everything we accomplish is about him. There has never been a more countercultural statement of purpose than Romans 11 and 36. It, the mantra of modern humanity is that it's all about me. It's of me, to me, and through me. But Paul corrects that with uttermost grace and says, no, no, no. It's all about him. He is the one who is the centerpiece of the universe. He is the hinge on which history turns. He is everything that is and was and evermore shall be. He is the center of it all. He is the reason for it all. He is the answer for it all. The current of the kingdom goes against everything that is common to man. Because man is self-centered, man is self-focused, and the kingdom is king-focused, king-centered. That is the defining context that precedes Paul's powerful word. I beseech you, therefore, because of what I just said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice because it's all about Him. That's the reason we do what we do. That's the reason we go where we go. That's the reason we give what we give. It is not out of obligation. It is out of wonder. It's not out of something I have to do. It is that we have caught a glimpse of the glory of a God who made the universe. And my only natural response is wonder and worship at the glory of Almighty God in the face of Jesus Christ. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The very idea of reasonable service is absurd. The very idea of living sacrifice doesn't make sense. How do you have a living sacrifice? Sacrifice, by definition, is an act of slaughter. It is an act of killing. It is an act of doing away with something in order to offer it up. Hallelujah. I believe there's a lot of people in this room and you have hunger for God. There's a palpable hunger in this room. I see it in your worship. I perceive it in your praise and how you interact with the presence of God. 
But can I just tell you, in the back of your mind, there are people in this room who wonder what it would really look like if you ever just totally surrendered everything to God. If you just laid aside every weight. If you just forgot everything else happening in the world. You have a fantasy of serving God in that way. Radical obedience, and I commend you for it. I'm not going to dwell tonight on sacrifice. Sacrifices maybe for another day. Because here's what I believe. I believe the hang-up of the 21st century church has very little to do with our concept of sacrifice. I have watched apostolic churches around the world in some of the most difficult places and some of the most free places endure the same issues and sacrifice again and again and again. There may be individuals that struggle with sacrifice, but I don't believe this room struggles with sacrifice. That's what I feel. There's another issue that I believe is far more pressing and far more important. There's another word in the same verse that is far more important. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I'll be straight with you about what I feel. The problem facing the 21st century church globally and in virtually every nation that I'm aware of is not necessarily our knowledge of what it means to give or to sacrifice. It's not the question of what's holy or acceptable. It's not what any of that. It goes deeper than any of that, almost to the subconscious. It centers in the mind and it centers around our understanding of what is reasonable. Because when I read reasonable, all of a sudden it seems like, well, it's going to make sense. Reasonable insinuates that I'm going to understand all of these things that have to do with this perfect and good and perfect and acceptable will of God. It gives me permission to operate within the boundaries of balance and within the boundaries of what I perceive and what I judge to be reasonable. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Now, this never happens in Singapore and probably nowhere in any place Somewhere in a land far, far away. (laughs) New converts come and they are the wildest. They are the crazy. And I have heard saints of the Most High God say, well, you know, just give them some time. Give them some time for what? You say, well, they they will mature. They're full of zeal. They're full of desire. They just haven't learned yet. Tell me what they haven't learned that would cause them to worship less. Like I said, it never happens in Singapore. It never happens in Malaysia. It's, It's somewhere else. Whatever country you're not from, that's where it happens. They just haven't learned. Well, that messes with my thinking because what is it that they haven't learned? I'm all for teaching. I'm all for maturity. I'm all for order. What I'm not for is the watering down of worship and the, because it doesn't fit with what my natural culture says. 
it would seem to me that the more we grow in maturity and the more I mature in Christ, I would begin to look more like the people that are in the second half of this book and my choices not on Sunday, but my choices on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday would become radically different than the world that is around me. Don't tell me to be reasonable in the human sense of the word because there's something more in this book and in that verse. The longer I'm around, the older I get, and the man of God said it, we're at different ages. Just because you don't jump like you used to doesn't mean you're backslidden. Just because you get a backache after you jump tonight doesn't mean that you are falling away from God. It just means that the body is getting older. But let me tell you, that's not what reasonable means. Reasonable doesn't mean to, to put it through the intellect and whatever comes out, God speaks and I put it through my human intellect and whatever seems legit and reasonable, that's what I end up with. Sorry, that is not what the Bible says. Now, if your pastor disagrees, work through that with him. Just tell him this guy maybe had it off. But, but what I did, and I, you know, I, I should apologize for this. Can, can I step on these? Am I not supposed to? I don't want to mess anything. This is amazing, by the way. You know, I have this crazy idea. I, I said, you know what? I want to know what reasonable means. And I had the audacity, pastor, to go to the Bible to try to find out what it means. I did not go to a dictionary. I went to the Bible. And this is what I found. I found that the word reasonable in the Greek only occurs two times in the New Testament. It's not a very common word. And I began to look, and, and you know, sometimes you, you look, and you, I don't speak very good Greek. I can read it, but I don't speak it. Can, can you put 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2? I don't know who I'm going to... Am I talking to the people way back there? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 2. Verses 1 and 2. I'll give you... I begin to look... So, okay. Verses 1 and 2. We're going to look at these. Somewhere in here is the same word reasonable. Somewhere. We're going to do a word search in church at DCD on, on, on Monday night. Are you ready? Okay. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Take me to verse 2. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Where is reasonable? I promise you it's there. Look, look for it. All malice. I've heard people say, well, malice. Nope, it's not malice. Deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all the... I began to look, and when I first looked at this, I said, well, I don't see the word reasonable or anything that even really looks like it, which is telling that we don't recognize it for what it really is. The word reasonable is the word logikos. It's an adjective. And it literally means having to do with the word. 
It means having to do with or belonging to the word. And so that, those three words, the milk, the pure milk of the word, that is the exact same word as reasonable over in the book of Romans. So here's what little Adam found in his Bible study. I got a little excited when I found this. Using strict biblical interpretation, using scripture to interpret scripture, here's where it is. The only measure of reasonable that you will ever find is the word. Reasonable is not based on your culture. Reasonable is not based on your personality. Reasonable is not based on your background. Reasonable is not based on your disposition and how you feel that day. Reasonable is based on nothing short than the ever settled word of Almighty God. The word is what sets the balance in my life. The word is what sets the the thing in my life that makes it acceptable. The only measure of reasonable is the word. If I'm using any other measure, I'm wrong. If I'm using any other balance, I'm wrong. If I'm using any other weight for comparison, I'm wrong. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus reasonable. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Reasonable. Love them that bless them that curse you. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Totally reasonable. Forgive 490 times in one day. Reasonable. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Reasonable. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Reasonable. Endure hardness as a good soldier, reasonable. Bring every thought into captivity, reasonable. That's why in the very next sentence of Romans where he says, which is your reasonable service, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may show what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Brothers and sisters, we do not need more intellect. We do not need more human understanding. What we need is a revelatory understanding of the forever settled word that when he speaks, when he whispers in my ear, the matter is settled. When he gives me an answer that I don't understand, it's reasonable that I'm going to say yes. Reasonable reasonable. I promise we're going to get somewhere tonight. I am all for the expressed concern about outward conforming to the world. I'm all for that. I think we should pay attention to those things like you said, Pastor. But here's what I believe. That's not what Paul's talking about in this verse. He's not talking about outward conformity. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say this. There are pressures that are outward to conform. Absolutely. There are things and people and forces that want us to look like, act like they do. That is a real battle that we are fighting. However, that is not the primary battle that we are fighting. We can win that battle and lose the real battle if we're not careful. 
I'll just clarify what I just said. I said you can look the part on the outside, but if you don't deal with what's inside, you will live a very sad life, and you might just get to judgment. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. I'm all for not conforming in dress and speech and media and all those easily measurable and visible things. But I don't believe that is our primary battle. I believe the primary battle of conformity in this age is in the mind and the heart of God's people. It is the, hear me, the unspoken assumptions of our time, our era, and our culture. It is the unspoken assumptions, the things that go without being said. Everybody does it that way. Everybody thinks that way. Everybody sees the world that way. Those are the issues. Because if the apostolic church thinks like the world, I'm not talking about outward things. I'm talking about cultural things that have not been redeemed by the word and have not been deemed reasonable by the word. If Satan can get us, hear me, to define reasonable by human standards, he can effectively remove the power of the gospel to change the world. Because we will walk around thinking we have it all together and looking the part, but yet there's never been a change inside of us. Satan can tame the church. He can tame the church by getting us to use a human definition of what's reasonable. And hear me, the end result is that there could be a people walking around this world that have the most powerful presence the world has ever known living inside of them, but don't have the authority to challenge the kingdom of darkness in their own lives, let alone in the world around around them. If you let humanity dictate what's right and what's wrong, if you let your own mind dictate what's right and wrong, you will there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You've got to say, God, I know what I think. I know it looks hard, but I need a word from you, God, to speak reasonability into my life. The only basis for what's reasonable is the word. The only basis for what is valid and reasonable and what makes sense is the word. Lest you feel smug and confident in your own reasonable definition, let me take you to the word and compare yourself to this. Jesus said, don't think I've come to bring peace. I didn't come to send peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. A man's foes will be they of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life shall lose it. He who loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus is advocating family strife and difficulty. Some of you thought, oh, I'm justified. No, you're not justified. 
You know what he's saying? He's saying that no relationship on earth should ever come more important or get in the way of the relationship with the eternal. I don't, I'm debating how real to get in this particular situation. Well, pastor, pastor. That's from the Gulf. I spent 20 years in, in the Gulf, in Oman and the UAE. I heard this many, many times. You know, my, my family doesn't do it that way. I'll go a little further. My friends in the church back home don't do it that way. My community doesn't do it that way. It's not about community. It's not about connection. It's not about any cultural measure. It is about what does the Word of God say in my life. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't think about your body, what you're going to wear. For life is more than meat and the body more than raiment. Nobody can add height to their stature. Why do you think about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, they don't spin. And yet I say unto you, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Very little about the teachings of Jesus Christ are compatible with a 21st century view of the world. Very little of what Jesus modeled for us is, is easily compatible with what the world that we live in. But here's the thing. If we do not use the true measure of reasonability, then we will become a powerless group of people who hold truth but have no power, who know lots of knowledge but have no ability to utilize that knowledge. We need a revolutionary move of God to sweep over our minds and our spirits and to rid us of the things that we use to measure reasonable with. We need God to baptize us with a love for his word spoken, written, preached, and heard in our whispered ears. We have got to do away with reasonable of old and embrace reasonability based in the scripture and nothing more and nothing less. There's courage in this room. There is courage in this room and there is a word coming to many people over the next few days. God is going to speak things from this place and into your heart that will not make sense when you measure them by the thought process of humanity. God is going to give things to us over the next few days and if you don't have the right measure of reasonability you will lose out on what God wants to do because you will justify your way out of the things he's asking you to do. You will maneuver your way out and you'll say, well, I've got to interpret I've got to interpret it this way or I've got he couldn't have meant that. I assure you he can mean that. I assure you he can ask you to do things that are above and beyond what is normal in your community and in your life.
while we're talking about unreasonable, can we talk about what is unreasonable? Saying that we value the kingdom and then allowing basically any other distraction to override our commitment. That's unreasonable. Singing, I surrender all. And then maintaining very clearly defined boundaries of what you won't surrender. That's unreasonable. Reading about laying up treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust nor rust can corrupt and then devoting disproportionately large percentages of our income to comfort and ease in this dimension. That's unreasonable. Believing that persecution and deprivation are limited to the first century church under Roman rule and are somehow foreign to this particular time frame. That is unreasonable. Grasping for the purpose of heaven with one hand and clenching for the dream of materialism with the other. That's unreasonable. You say, Adam, it sounds like you're proposing revolution. I'm not advocating revolution. I'm simply saying make sure you have the right definition of what reasonable is. When you, when you tune your ear to listen to heaven's voice, Make sure that you don't have so many filters of culture and preparation and education and human ideas that you strip the supernatural of its ability to change your life because you don't think it fits with what you are. I heard Pastor Timothy talk about the early Pentecostal church. How we are oneness apostolic people. I heard him talk about people like Frank Heward and Glenn Cook and Howard Goss and so many others. Can I just tell you that those early pioneers were ostracized. They were made fun of. A little bit of it was the outward manifestation of the Spirit. A little bit. Rolling on the floor, talking in tongues, some of what we did here tonight. That, that's a little bit of why they wrote in newspapers about the crazy Pentecost. That, that's a little bit of it. But you know why they really were ostracized? Because they were a generation that rejected the reasonability definition of those around them, they rejected the need for respectability. They rejected the need for fiscal responsibility, and that's a slippery slope. They rejected the need to fit into society and be accepted in the religious centers of their day. And by doing so, they entered into a connection with God that started on the wrong side of town and is now present in every religious movement around the world. There are people speaking with tongues in every Christian denomination because somebody said you know what the baptism of the Holy Ghost it's reasonable I don't see it anywhere I don't have a pattern for it all around my community but, but it, Acts, Acts chapter 2 they spoke with new tongues some 
Here's the thing. You, th- you think, well, everybody knows that. Everybody talks in tongues. I'm sorry, a few decades ago, nobody was talking in tongues. And somebody had to redefine what reasonable was in order to open a door in the Spirit for the world to experience the fullness of what God wanted to bring into the normal experience of humanity. I declare to you in this room, there are places and people and things God desires to open that door. It will not happen by looking like the world or looking like the Christian community or acting like they do. You've got to redefine what reasonable means and you've got to get a hold of a word from God that says if the word says it, I believe it with all of my heart. If the word declares it, we can have it. If the word declares it, we can have it. You know what the word declares? The word declares that there will be a group of people around the throne from every nation, from every tribe, from every kindred, from every tongue. That's reasonable. You know what's reasonable? That the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. That is reasonable. He cut up There is a struggle of compartmentalization that is plaguing the global church and plaguing individual believers. This is what it looks like. Sunday. Woo! Amen, amen, amen. Monday. I don't want to offend them. Well, it's just a little, I I can do this just a little and pastor doesn't need to know. It's reasonable. It makes sense for me not to act here or do here what I do there. It makes sense for me to be different here than, than what I do there. Can I just tell you that the greatest miracles of the New Testament didn't take place in a custom-built building or location, but they took place because people were forced to live their faith in the marketplace and in the schools and in the workplaces. I'm not against buildings. I'm thankful for buildings. I pray God gives every church on the Malay Peninsula buildings. I pray for for East Malaysia that they get buildings. I pray God blesses his people all over with buildings. But God help us if a building becomes the compartment to contain the glory of God. Just because that's reasonable, we need a place. No, 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 no. The glory of God can be seen when you get up on Monday morning and you pray and God uses you in your school, young person, or he uses you to speak a word. That is reasonable. Compartmentalization is not reasonable. But it's a constant struggle. I'm quickly coming to a close. I want New Testament results.
Here's what I believe. This year we saw 200,000 people in the Global Fellowship of the United Pentecostal Church. 200,000 people were baptized in Jesus' name last year. 250,000 were filled with the Holy Ghost around the world. That's amazing. But I don't believe it's reasonable. I believe the reasonable is that God will add to the church daily such as should be saved. I believe it's reasonable for us to see a million people every year baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe it's reasonable that we would see a church in every community on this peninsula, this country, and in this entire area of the world. I believe it's reasonable, Pastor Lee, that Singapore would not just send westward, but would send eastward, and would send northward, and would send southward. I believe this place, this people, you can become a sending group that will go above and beyond what we've ever seen in the United Pentecostal Church and the apostolic movement and some of you in your spirit just said that doesn't make any sense we're smaller than anybody else is we don't have as many people as everybody else has I'm sorry I couldn't hear what you said because your definition of reasonable is wrong if the word of God speaks and gives vision and direction I'll tell you reasonable is the word reasonable is the word Very quickly, my mind goes to an Old Testament story that has the appearance of unreasonable. You don't have to put it up there, but in 1 Kings chapter 17, there's a famine going on. There's things happening all around. And the man of God goes to a certain place. He could have picked anywhere. He could have gone any direction. But he chose that place, that time, that lady for a reason. He says, bring me bread. She says, bro, as the Lord my God lives, I don't have any bread. She said, I got a little bit of meal in a pitcher and a little bit of oil in a jar. She said, I don't even have two sticks to rub together to make a fire. I'm on my way to get the sticks so that I can bring them back. Here is the word of faith from the woman. She said, I'm going to go and get the sticks. I'm going to make a fire. I'll dress it for me and my son, and we will eat it and die. Hallelujah. <laughs> Negative faith is still faith. Elijah says to her, Okay, don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a cake and bring it to me and then make for you and for your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the pitcher of meal will not be emptied and the jar of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. If a man of God did what he did, they would be criticized. They would be said, she's vulnerable. You should not take advantage of that poor widow woman who is struggling. 
unreasonable. Don't touch her. Don't bother her. Go to somebody else's house and ask them to give. God sent that man of God to that particular woman with one of the most unreasonable requests in the entire scripture. But here's the truth. Unreasonable requests from God are very often doorways into the supernatural move and provision of the Spirit. God will speak things that can be offensive to your flesh. And you have a choice to say yes and open up the windows of heaven or to say no and to lock the windows of heaven. I believe over the next few days I believe it with all of my heart. It's not just a message I'm preaching because I have to preach. I believe this. That God is going to speak things in this room to young people and older people alike that will challenge the way you think and challenge the way you have planned your life. And your response will either open the door to the will of God in your life or it will close the door to the will of God in your life. And your definition of reasonability is what will determine your response when God speaks to you His Word. Let's lift our voice and lift our hands to Jesus right now. This altar is open if anybody wants to come. What's happening right now is setting the stage for everything else God wants to do. Together we're opening a door into the supernatural that God has set before us. We're positioning ourselves to say, Lord, whatever, however, whenever, whoever. I'll say yes. What's happening right now is about positioning. It's about putting ourselves in alignment with the will and the purpose and the plan of God. There's a word coming in your life. There's direction coming in your life, but you've got to be pre-positioned to hear what the Lord would say and to be ready to do what the Lord would ask you to do.